Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the next stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribbles fame. And as always, I am joined by my co-host. Uh, this is Vincent Williams. It's also what's going on, everybody. Tonight, we are taking a trip back into the 80s. Back to the 80s. 1984, in fact, for John Sayles, the brother from another planet. This will be interesting. Starring uh, Joe Morton. Mm-hmm. Um, probably most recently seen on Scandal. Yes. On ABC. Um, but before we do that, we're going to touch on a little bit of feedback that we've we've received. Um, a couple of emails. Not too many. We appreciate all the emails that come into Michelle Mission at gmail dot com, or some people even actually just uh, hit us up via our website MichelleMission dot com. Absolutely. We got a, a an email from Joseph uh, Lechuga, who said, "Hey, a men on a mission." I have never before seen a Tyler Perry movie. Oh boy. I did not watch Why Did I Why Did I Get Married Married in Solidarity with the Mission. The episode did not make me inclined to watch it. Okay. Right. However, there was mention of how bat-ish crazy oh. Tyler Perry's Temptation Confessions of a Marriage Counselor was. I think we heard, I think you Oh lord. Am- I Am sh- I having dreams about the future? I think it, uh, we heard this one. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I should have listened to that warning. <laughs> I picked up a copy from the library. I put it in the DVD player. There went 111 minutes of my life. <laughs> sure, I can say that I watched a morality play based around the concept of be a good Christian woman who takes care of her man and you'll be right. fine. However, it is so crazy. It has Kim Kardashian attempting to act. Yeah, this is some crazy stuff. I'll heed the warnings next time. Also, also, you shouldn't have any career aspirations. <laughs> no, women should not have career aspirations. Also, if you're not sexually satisfied by sort of the missionary position in your marriage to your godly husband, <laughs> well, you deserve to get raped and get um devil AIDS. Devil AIDS? Well, I mean, that's what happens in the movie. Like, like, like this is actually what happens in the movie. I have not seen that movie yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Did that movie get a theatric release? I don't oh, think yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was. was. It was. See, see, see. I wasn't even trying to be all Tyler Perry. It, it was actually, a, you know, every now and then Tyler Perry tries to expand his brand mm-hmm. and yeah. like pull in white people. Okay. And what happens is that white people pay attention to Tyler Perry for like a month or two. And this was a film that white people paid attention to. Okay. And it's so amazingly misogynistic mm-hmm. in that way that, you know, you can't ignore. Right. That it actually got more heat about that kind of stuff than a lot of the other stuff. So, oh, yeah, it got released. And, and like like you said, Kim Kardashian was in it. That was a huge deal. And, um, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but something tells me that it will find its way. Oh, absolutely! Uh, in front of us, here I, I recommend it with caveat. Like I, I recommend again and again and again. I think it's a great drunk watch. A great drunk watch. Yes, I, I can think of maybe a few more 
drunk watches than I'll watch before that. I'll watch a double feature of this and Baby Boy, and I tell you. <laughs> okay, I like that, Baby I, Boy. But, <laughs> that that's, could work. That's a whole other conversation. That could definitely work. Um, Is got- that punk Jody? Thank you very much. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let me just mark the time so I can edit this one for the radio. Um, F your fort, little. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> mind you, I mentioned uh, uh, checking this one for the radio because uh, probably by the time, very near in the future, the Michelle Mission will be featured on radio here inside of Philadelphia. All right. It will become a part of the WPPM. 106.5 radio family. Wow. Yeah, I think it's going to happen like around September, October, so the exact date um, and and schedule hasn't been set just yet. Okay. But we've got confirmation that we're going to be on there. All right. So that's going to Our be multimedia cool. empire begins to grow. Yes. So we're going to have to be radio friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Big. Um... <laughs> So uh, anyway, we've got another we've got another um, email and Satan will let you know when when that does go live so people can check us out. Yes. Um, And it means that we'll also be on the radio and it'll be streaming. So people that are not here in Philadelphia, they'll still be able able to hear the show. And of course, there'll still be podcasts and everything. We love the podcast. Most definitely. Um, As a matter of fact, it's still going to be a podcast. (laughs) We're not going to do it live. (laughs) You know, we're going to still record it. Just shatter all the illusions. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Hey, don't make the the live shows that much more fun. There, there you go. We got another email. This is from uh, a longtime listener of the Michelle Mission, Tom Laporta. Okay, hey who, Tom, who hit us up with a couple of notes and a question. Good evening, gentlemen. Okay, all right. All right. He said, "Good evening, gentlemen." There you go. There you go. Evening. I just wanted to drop you guys in line and let you know how much I've been enjoying the show. I love how you introduce me to films I probably would never know about otherwise, and give a fresh perspective that engages deeply with the subject films i just wanted to direct you towards a little information that you may find useful okay as part of a new podcast project about 70s trash cinema called don't touch my coffin i was looking (laughs) i was looking at trying to lay hands on a copy of abby (laughs) the movie that you referenced yes yes abby not to be confused with Melinda. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. All right. They're, they're okay. No, no, no. But go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It turns out that it's really not available, but not because no one cares about it. Apparently, Vince wasn't the only one to notice parallels to The Exorcist. <laughs> Warner Brothers did as well and obtained an injunction against the movie being exhibited. The alternate title, The Black Exorcist. I was about to say, that probably didn't help it being called The Black Exorcist. Yes, the alternate title, The Black Exorcist, probably made it easy for them to spot. No one is really sure if the injunction could still be enforced any longer. The film would have to be released in some commercial format and Warners would get their day in court. The movie received an almost impossibly limited DVD release, which sold out essentially immediately. Long story short, we won't be seeing the movie on home video until some brave soul cares enough about it to risk legal action. As a side note, we're just getting uh, Don't Touch My Coffin rolling. Uh, the first few episodes are recording uh, uh, on uh, Sunday. And this was very sent, nice. This Congrats. Was sent to us just about a, a little more than a week ago. Okay. 
But I can see some overlap down the road. So Vince, yes, if you want to make good on your threat to talk about 70s movies, oh, that's our focus. Oh, dog. Okay. So if you and Len want to get involved, you're welcome in any capacity from offering notes to full-on guest hosting spots. A couple of films that we want to talk about that would intersect the mission are Coffee, yes. The Legend of Black Charlie, yes. and Coonskin. Yes. We're also looking at Spook who sat by the door if Len wants to vent some anger towards <laughs> oh, that boy, one. Oh boy, I might let Len go. <laughs> you, I might let you do that one on your own. No, you gotta come with me, dog. <laughs> you gotta come with me. Finally, I want to say how great your cast sounds on a pure sonic level. Oh, the okay. voice is coming through with clarity and warmth, which means that it sounds great, even if you're shit-talking Pam Girl a little bit. There's <laughs> another edit point. Um... <laughs> Which is a perfect, a, a a perfect entry point to say, uh, producer Lynn Webb, Lynn Webb. So that warmth that comes through, thank clear. you. Yeah. The, the warmth is from both of us. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're just warm gentlemen. <laughs> um, I would be honored if I could find, if I could make a podcast sound as great as yours. Oh well, thank you. Anyway, thanks a bunch for the time and the great show. Sincerely, Tom Laporta, thirty six Tribble of Brewery Town. Nice. That nice. is very. Very nice. Very I, kind. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate it. And can't it. wait to get into your podcast. Yeah, I really can. I do like, you know. And I, and I will make an offer to you, Tom, that, you know, get you get things rolling a little bit on, on your show and everything like that. And I don't mean to speak for Vince, but I will. When time comes that you're looking to uh, do the spook who sat by the door, we can do it together and we'll make it a joint podcast. There you go. So it'll be a joint Don't Touch My Coffin and Michelle Mission podcast. There you go. It'll be a, it'll be a crossover. It'll, it'll be, be a crossover. It'll be a crossover. Crisis. Well, I was about to say, so who's who's holding hands around the, um, the whatchamacallit ball, the crystal ball, and who's coming out of the crystal ball? Oh, in, so you're thinking about... It's Earth 1 and Earth 2, so it's like the Justice League and a Justice Society crossover for the first time. Who's going to come out of the uh, crystal ball in the, in, the, in, the, in the smoke, and who's holding hands around the crystal ball? Well, it can't be me and you in the smoke, because then people will be calling us Smokey. Yeah, so, and that's completely inappropriate. So there you go. Exactly. We'll hold hands around the crystal ball, and then... But technically, we should be coming out of the smoke because in that comic book cover that you're alluding to, they're, the Earth Two Justice, and and they're first, right? Yes. Justice Society comes out of Crystal Ball, right? So there you go. So it should be us because we are we're first. There you go. What maybe they'll call us Cloudy. <laughs> I'm pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure they'll call us. Smoke. It breaks down pretty fast. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, that's our email. So we, right. we appreciate that. Um, me and Vince, we had uh, we received. You know, hey, we got a little bit of perks here from doing the Michelle mission. We got some press credentials yes. to check out the Black Star Film Festival, yes. which was recently yes. in town. Now, I, because of my schedule, I was unable to uh, attend yes. a lot of uh, most of the time. But Vince, you did go a couple of days and checked out some things at the Black Star Absolutely. Film Festival. How was it? I mean, the Black Star Film Festival is always fantastic. I, I mean, it's it's great energy. It's great programming. It's um, it's great people. Like like you, you know, I love you know. We've talked about this before with with just just the the culture in Philly. Mm-hmm. I love going out to things and seeing the the participants in culture. 
here in Philadelphia. Um, you you know, not to uh, be too biased and talk about friend to the show, Dorian Missick, but I, I you know the highlight of the festival. I saw his I saw a cut of his film. Oh, nine uh, rides, nine rides. Yeah, yeah and, where and he plays an Uber driver. He's an Uber right? driver, and it's it's like a series of vignettes, connected vignettes, because mm-hmm. you know he's in each um each part, right? Each right, of right. the nine rides, mm-hmm. and um, you know, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Uh, Black and Sexy TV had uh um had a presence there, so you you know love them, you know. Now the Black I, I Star think, Film Festival is Phil, is Philadelphia's indie film festival, right? Focusing on work by and about people of color in a global context right. by indie means necessary. Yes, I will say this: this is the greatest compliment I will give the Black Star Film Festival as somebody who has lived in Philadelphia each year. It's been here, so you know I just like you know you jump on the train or get on the car and just drive over. I think that this is a film festival that's worth coming from out of state. It's a, it's a it's a, a film festival worth coming like, into right Philly right like if I didn't live in Philly I like if if I ever moved from Philadelphia I'd still try and come every year nice so nice so yeah so so you you know I, they I, they actually said I, because uh, non rods was the last film showed and when it was introduced some of the coordinators said you know they're already ramping up for, for Black Star you know six point because this nice. is the fifth year, so so um, put it on your calendar, folks. Yeah, it's in, in put August, it on your calendar in August yeah. of every year. Yeah, uh, it was a big success here in Philadelphia. A lot of people yeah. were talking about a lot of the films. Uh, nine nine rides, if I correct, that was filmed all on iPhone. All on an iPhone. There were two. There were two films that were filmed on an iPhone. I actually didn't see the other one, but yeah, I mean the technology is. I mean we're there. We're, we're there. I, I mean, it is a conversation that you've heard people like we really are at a point where so much this is as close to things being democratized as I think it's ever been like hopefully the, the entry point to technology and, you know, the Internet stays sort of as open as it is. You know, obviously, it's kind of all of these pushes and pulls on with um the, the government and the FCC. But it really is at a point where people can get a hold of equipment that they never were able to get a hold of before just because of the price point. Yeah. And people are able to have a venue to put it out there. Like I talked about black and sexy TV. Um, you know, I think we're all fans of, um, Issa Rae yeah and you know everything that she does and then you know she kind of started with with sort of a web series and we've had people on the show mm-hmm. who've had podcasts and have a web series and I mean us I mean we we have a podcast so I just think it's a very exciting time I think it's a very exciting time and, and like you said Nine Rods was filmed on an iPhone and it I, I don't it, it's almost at the point where I don't even know if it was worth mentioning that it was filmed on an iPhone that's how, it, except for the fact that to let people know that yeah. you know you can do because it just looks like a movie. Yeah, you know, so that's cool. Cool, I can't wait. Can't wait to check that out. Yeah. And we've got a little bit more news coming your way about friend of the show Dorian Missick, uh, but that will be coming uh, towards the end. So stay tuned to the end of the show for some big news about uh, Dorian Missick coming up after we do our Michelle Mission review of. 
the brother from another planet. It's Mars on the Hudson. It's Cheers goes to Harlem. Get you something to drink, brother. It's E.T. rides the Underground Railroad. Want to see me make all the white people disappear? 125th Street next. That was fantastic. It's the brother from another planet. Man is a fugitive from a chain gang. He's got radar for a mind. Removable eyes and a lovable smile. Give me five, brother. White folks get strange all the time. It's John Sayles' dazzling and propelling comedy hit. It's the box office blast guaranteed to open your eyes. The brother from another planet. Yeah. So, brother from another planet. Oh man, I don't even know how to how to begin to to unwrap this because I think this is a film that that I've been a fan of since it came out for a lot of different reasons. Um, this is directed and written by, by, you know, legendary filmmaker, John sales. This is his fourth film. This is his fourth film starring Joe Morton as an escaped alien slave. Yes. Who crash lands in Ellis Island, makes his way to Harlem and proceeds to, to to sort of um learn New York in the early eighties. And you know, he is pursued by two uh two two aliens who are basically overseers. And as the film goes on, you you know, the film has a lot of commentary on race. The film has a lot of commentary on life in the city. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's an asterisk after city, I think, because again, this is nineteen eighty four New York. So this is very much, um, how do I want to put this, sort of a post-70s when there was a sort of the decline of the city and decline of cities pre-Giuliani, New York. Yes. So this is, this is very much a, a, a gritty New York. This is a New York that at many times is dangerous. Yeah. This is at all po- in, in all points. Like there was a time where like, you know, this is when Manhattan right. was still dangerous. Right, right, right. New York, New York full stop. Right, exactly. exactly. And, you know, this takes place in Harlem, mm-hmm. which, you, you know, again, was dangerous. But at the same time, this is also New York, arguably, and I would I would make this argument at its most vibrant this is New York at its um at 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 its most colorful and colorful, literally colorful, because I think one of the things that that sales script and the film does is shows that you have all of these different cultures and all of these different languages and all of these different people kind of here together. So there's a film that sort of deals with that. And then this is a straight up science fiction film. And and I think if if you talk about this as a science fiction film and where this fits at this moment, because you know if you're a science fiction person, 
this is an amazing time for the genre. I mean, I mean, like, you know, it is 84. So this is right in the, you know, Alien was in 79 and, and uh, you know, E.T. is out and Close Encounters is right around here. And, you know, Terminator and Aliens is right around the corner. Blade Runner is, I think, two years after this in 86. So this is this is this this is this amazingly exciting moment in science fiction and all of this kind of works together and i you know i said the science fiction in movies the science fiction in movies this this sort of exploration of cities and then you know i guess i guess this is the most important part that we would talk about in here this is a black film like this is a film that really has something to say about race and and something to say about the nature of slavery and and how and and sort of the american dream and how slavery fits into that american dream it's like i think i think the 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 film kind of lays its cards out in the very first shot where where we see him and he is an escaped slave and there are all these sort of visual markers that he's an escaped slave and that it's racialized you know first and foremost there's the steel drums that are throughout that that's the music that the, the music that is played you know he crashes he has on rags that very much look like how we would think someone who was enslaved would look and then when he crashes the first time we see him a piece of his foot is gone right so his that whole foot is his whole foot is gone which kind of you, you know uh, again talking about text that are here going on at the same time roots is 1977 so we're less than 10 years away from roots and that sort of image of the hobbled slave is sort of still around so you have all of that but he crashes at ellis island which is of course the the sort of worldwide symbol of immigration of coming to america and throughout the film you have these moments where those two those two narratives sort of mash into each other and kind of blend into each other and you know joe morton who who plays the the character who doesn't have a name everyone just most of the people actually refer to him as brother which i think is really important um he doesn't speak right he's but mute. he's a mute but he you, you know he he his face tells the story like like you know he's it's it's almost uh, um actually saw something with joe morton a few weeks ago where he talked about this role oh really and he talked about sort of trying to channel charlie chaplin and buster keaton and the physicality of the role and and, you know how much can you tell how this character is feeling from his face Mm -hmm. because definitely feel because he's not you know because he's not speaking and um you know we can get into this a little later i you know i was sitting i was thinking well first of all when this came out, like I, you know, it came out in '84. I don't know where I, I probably saw it on on like cable, the so like '85, maybe '86, because I I know I didn't see it in the movies, okay. but I remember seeing it as a very young man mm-hmm. because I've always loved science fiction. But it was, you know, it is before I knew about Octavia Butler, before you, you know, um, you, you know, um, Samuel Delaney, and and you know, obviously, it's just it's almost a smorgasbord of afrofuturism mm-hmm. in 2016 but when i saw this film the only time i had seen what i would have identified as black 
science fiction mm-hmm. was that old EC comic story, The Judgment Day okay. from 53, which, you know, shout out to friend of the show, Robert Monroe, who on Facebook, the, the, um, the picture of the black astronaut from right. that is actually his. And, and let's be clear, I'm not saying it wasn't black people in science fiction, but I'm saying something, a text that was a racialized text. Right. Where and, and this is something that I've actually kind of sharpened since you and I have been talking about, you know, what makes a black film a black film. And what I'm coming to is that if a film is informed by a character's race, like if you can switch out that character and the film stays the same, then I wouldn't call it a black film. Okay. So, you know, a lot of, of the Will Smith stuff, I wouldn't call black science fiction. Right. Because if you kind of, if you swapped him out with Tom Cruise a lot of those movies would just be the same movie. Exactly. So something like this is actually a racialized black science fiction film. And I am hard pressed to come up with a lot of stuff since then. Science fiction. Very true. You know, a lot of black horror. And, you know, I was, I was actually sitting, I was like, well, well, would I say blade is science? No blade is is if you know because vamp- anything is hard if or anything action. it's hard because it has vampires so all of that um you know bunch of great actors in this film bunch bunch of sort of these these, these sort of um you, you know i'm a fan of of these black actors and any sort of working black actors that you see in stuff uh you know you got a great performance by um by bill cobbs Bill yeah. Cobbs, who plays was, um, Walter, um, Tom Wright, who plays Sam, uh, Steve James is Odell. Like there's there's a bar that is almost serves as as yeah they're the, the bar the, flies yeah and and the, and the brothers sort of de facto headquarters and there are these wonderful performances by these men mm. and you know I think it's noteworthy that the that it's it's men so that you have this this masculine space. That you you know they kind of work with him and um you know I guess that's again I got and Leonard S- Jackson playing Smokey Leonard Jackson playing Smokey yeah yeah so lot to talk about mm-hmm. lot to go into this lot you know I think it's a smart movie I think it is um I remember we were talking to someone or you said someone said that they met John Sales and thought he was black. Like, I think you read something like when we said we were doing a brother from another planet, somebody wrote in and said that they thought that John. That, oh, that, that like the director was the that, black that person, right? was black. And I completely understand that. Right. Because right, right. this is a film that very much has a, a, a sort of perspective that you would think a black man could have, mm-hmm. especially when you talk about the role of law enforcement, when you talk about, um, you know, there are all these really interesting comments about prisoners yeah and slavery yeah and a sort of connection between the two i thought it was interesting he's the brother from another planet but it doesn't doesn't matter what planet you're from when the brother sees a cop he starts running it's the very first thing it's a very it, first it's, thing. it's a very and and did you notice that's actually the first white person in the film yeah the police so so the brother gets here and of course he doesn't know anything he doesn't understand through a series of misunderstandings he basically steals some fruit mm-hmm. and they've spent you know, 15 minutes at this point setting up that 
he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't understand our culture, doesn't understand our language. He's just here. And the shopkeeper calls a policeman and there are these three quick shots where it's a close up of the policeman's badge, the policeman's um, star on his hat mm-hmm. and his gun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, boom, 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 one, two, three. And the brother immediately understands who this is. Conversely, when the alien uh, slave chasers come, or bounty hunters, the bounty hunters, and they don't have any, uh, they're, 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 they are men in black. Yeah. They are men in black, and they just have on black shirts and black pants. White men in black. White men in black, no badges, no anything. The black men in the bar assume that they are policemen, and and you know, and so so there is this sort of racialized understanding, or or this racialized read of what law the role law enforcement plays in these men's lives. Mm-hmm. So, but again, that's just sort of opening. Go ahead, get that out. You, you know, I appreciate. Yeah, that. brother from another planet. This was. Um... It's it, it it's interesting, like you say, that, that somebody thought that this John Sales, who wrote as well as directed this film, um, was black because of the point of view that the how informed this movie appears to be from, about the black experience, right? Uh, and the story that it depicts, and I think that it's um, there is a a maturity to the storytelling in that you know that the brother is an escaped slave. You know that the brother doesn't really understand what's going on. You know that the brother has this power or it it, it actually seems like uh, it's, it's a, he has a power that allows him to fix stuff by touching yes. his hands onto it. But there also alongside with that, there appears to be a, um, a, a, a sensitivity to inanimate objects and in where he can not only fix them, but he can f- converse with them. Mm-hmm. And by conversing with them, feel what has transpired from them. The, the, one of the better scenes in there is once he does arrive and he, he makes his way after, because he, he crash lands into Earth. So he's basically escaping to Earth. Um, and I think, you know, he's he's got the rags on, but I he obviously has done like a little bit of studying up on where he's going because he kind of start feeling himself around. Well, you know. I mean, you assume that somebody left him a note basically as we find out right uh but then you see him he makes his way he's in ellis island and he makes his way to like one of the um one of the buildings in ellis island that is no longer appears to be no longer being used and this is a building that you can tell just from the from from the setting of it because it's this almost like huge like uh, uh almost like hall or amphitheater that this is this is a place through which Many immigrants have come through mm-hmm. on their way to America, and you know that because as he leans against the wall, sits down on a on a on a bench, or or uh, looks about uh, in the, in the ceiling, his affinity for inanimate objects 
brings to his mind all of the past souls that have passed through there and he starts hearing all these different languages and all these different conversations that have passed through this through this place almost to a point to a point where it's so mind-numbing because it is so many people right right that it 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 overwhelms him and he he emits this this quiet scream Mm -hmm. um and then just basically collapse and 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 falls out uh so i thought that was like very powerful but it was but it's a maturity to the storytelling in that you know all of this without it being hit over the head right like you know when he goes about harlem and he comes across different people and different people um react to him in, in different ways uh i was getting notes on here and i was reading from from Roger Ebert's review of A Brother from Another Planet done back in 1984 and he says that the brother as he's making his way around Harlem he's not looking for trouble is not controversial only wants to make sense of this weird new world but because his instinctive response to most situations is sort of a blank reserve people project their own feelings and the expectations upon him and tell him tell him what he must be thinking and behave as if they are right you know and then right, he just right. goes along with it um and it was interesting reading that because that's a lot of what happens when he goes to the place where he steals steals the fruit there is you know he can sense that this woman this asian woman that the, the the owner of the store is like screaming at him and he, he senses, you know, that she, she's upset with him and he, he becomes a little bit contrite. Um, and then he notices, okay, Oh, I was supposed to pay for this. Cause he's looking over her shoulder right, to see how right, somebody's right, paying right. for the fruit. So he's like, Oh, okay. Well then I can go here. And he goes while she walks away, goes to the register, opens up the register, takes out some money, takes a piece of fruit. Like here, I, right, I, I've right, got the right, money right. here. Can Apparently, I, have the fruit I hand now? you these pieces of paper. You give me food. Give me fruit. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but all of that is like the the tropes of silent of silent movies, right? You know, teaching you all this stuff, right? Teaching you what's going on, uh, uh, and you just and you just you're just watching it because he is mute. You're you're their reactions to him is informing you of who he is and what he's about and what his mission here is on earth. And that is all very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it goes on for a good 20, 30, 40 minutes of the movie. And you're kind of, you're kind of buying into that. Um, When the movie tries to find a little bit of a story, I think the story basically is him trying to like take revenge for, uh, look into we see some somebody yeah the gets overdose yeah on drugs and he goes becomes all of a sudden he's Columbo and he's yeah. going to follow that that back to the source follow the drugs back to the source you know follow the money yeah it's like well, well that is where it lost me because I certainly didn't yeah. think that his understanding of our culture was to that extent right right you know even by then um, so that really that lost me and then that kind of went on a little bit long um and i remembered why i enjoyed this movie the first time i watched it Mm -hmm. but why i've never returned to it okay because as interesting as it is and uh, and 
and as playful as it is and kind of cool as it is to see a young Joe Morton yeah. getting oh, his yeah. Buster Keaton on. Yeah. To see the the actual director, John Sales, along with a very young and surprisingly very short David Straithern yeah. playing the two white aliens. Right, right, right. Um it, it it's it's kind of cool seeing them and is and it's Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh, what's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. It's always a treat to see Bill Cobbs yeah. uh, and Leonard Jackson. They're they're yeah. very great character actors. It still was just not enough to really in, engage me in this movie. And another thing that bothered me about this, and I remember it bothered me then, and even more so now as I'm more informed, this film being coming out in 1984, as you said, in almost like a renaissance of science fiction in the movies at that time. And I think that's great. And by its very title, you do have it, you know, that it is science fiction. It's the brother from another planet. Yet, I felt bothered that okay it's a brother from another planet well even on another planet we're still slaves right right you know like come on and then also like all right in this time of explosion in science fiction star wars uh but by then the sequel has been out right right Uh, right the the Star Trek has returned to the movie theaters. Buckaroo Banzai has been in the theaters, you know. At this time of this explosion in science fiction, we've got science fiction from a black aesthetic, yet that black aesthetic is still down here on Earth. I would. Why can't why can't the black people be in space? Why can't the brother from another planet be an Earth man on that planet? You know what I mean? Now, some might say that, well, that's not the story you wanted to write. And God bless you if that's not the story you wanted to write. But when there are so few and far between examples of um, of science fiction from a a black or uh, African uh, aesthetic out there in feature films, and especially at this height, at this point, at that moment in time, it just, there's a part of me that was like, I want to see a little bit more of that science fiction in this that, movie. And it's being played down, down to the, you know, uh, th- that aspect of it being tempered at best in this film while I understand it kind of fits the film I 
that left me wanting for more. I th- I think that's a I think that's a good viewpoint. I think you know, and I think I think that is an argument. I think that is an argument that people have have made. I think um, hell, I think I've halfway made that argument. I was listening to old episodes, and I was saying, you know, I don't want to see any more slave stuff. I don't want to see no civil rights stuff. I think what makes this film work for me in that context, because let me just say this, I, I, I absolutely agree with you that, that the, the whole storyline with him following the heroine to the guy outside, you know, into in the big building, I appreciated John Sayles at this time, because remember, this is 1984, mm-hmm. so that, you know, 1984, we thought that, you know, these savage blacks did drugs and got the drugs and made the drugs and the drugs just stayed there. Yeah. So anytime there's an acknowledgement that there are outside forces at work, yeah. that at work, I admire that. At the same time, I completely agree. To me, that was the weakest part of the film. As far as it being basically a space slavery movie because that's basically was i think i I think what what made it work for me is first of all i think the very nature of of having a science fiction story in this storyline using this narrative kind of subverts the narrative line where where when we talk about slaves you think you know the slaves and this is slave you know in this sort of slave 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 and we know what happens with slavery and when you make it an you make it aliens or or you put it in this science fiction context you you basically kind of almost reorient the way we talk about it and and it makes it something new it's sort of like it's sort of like in my mind the best episodes of Star Trek, like we were talking about Star Trek, mm-hmm. where you know you take these very topical issues, mm-hmm. but then you talk about them in this way, and it kind of, it, it kind of invigorates the actual topic, which in this case would be slavery, and it also adds heft to the science fiction. So that's the first part that it works for me. I think the second part is I love the the, the sort of. Um, the intertwining of the city and what the city meant and and these aspects of the city in 1984 be, with science fiction which you know in this part in this case it did have to do with slavery space slavery but it was still this sort of like as much as this film is a rumination on slavery it's also a rumination on the city and what I mean by that is this. There's all this thing where, where you know, as we said, he has this sensitivity to machines. And yeah. he uses it where he repairs video games. Well, arcade games. Arcade games, like old school arcade games. So there's all of all of these visuals where they show the arcade games and how the mm-hmm. arcade games are at this moment cutting edge technology and the only people that really kind of deal with the games like they show the arcades and it's the kids or you know it's the one game in the bar so you know you have Smokey who I'm not quite sure how old he is you know black and cracking and all but but he's not an old man so that 
I love the way that John Sayles frames technology as part of science fiction, basically. Like, like te- I'm sorry, not technology, but but urban technology as part of science fiction. The, yeah. The other okay. thing, I love the graffiti aspect of it. I love the fact that the graffiti is sort of like like we see it as, and, and this goes to something. Did you ever read the tourist script? No, I did not. You're, you know what I'm talking about, yes, though, right? Yes. So there's a, there's a fa- you know, those, those of you who don't know, there's a, a, a famous or infamous script in Hollywood uh, by Claire Noto called The Tourist. Mm-hmm. And and The Tourist is basically, the, the, the conceit of The Tourist is that all of these sightings of aliens aren't aliens trying to get to Earth. It's aliens trying to get off of Earth. Right. And, you know, one of the things about it, like, you look at basically, like, like The Tourist script is basically the Rosetta Stone for so much of the smart science fiction that was made after 1980. Right. And, you know, everybody, because it's, it's out there and people read it and people have sort of picked at it and put it together. And one of the things that took from it a lot was the men in black. And that whole notion in men in black that when we see people on the street and they, we say, oh, they're weirdos or, you know, all of these different cultures and things, some of them are actually aliens. And I think a brother from another planet took from this as well so that this notion that we're aliens and you know some of us are just from a little further away that worked for me a lot like a lot and it was enough for me to forgive your argument that we have science fiction especially since this is you, you know, again, I can't think of much more that was racialized science fiction. Like, like usually it's either like my, my two notes, like I was sort of listing black stuff. It's either, you know, you put black people in rubber mask. Mm-hmm. So, you know, think about like enemy mind that Lewis Gossett made after he won an Academy Award. Mm-hmm. Or it's black people getting caught up in the swirl of white nonsense. So you think of black people in the Predator, black people in Alien, black people in Terminator, where they don't really have much to do with the plot. They don't have much agency. They don't have much agency at all. They just sort of get caught up in the swirl of this other stuff going on, and then they get murdered. Yeah. So I can't really dispute your argument. But you forgive it. Not even forgive it. I'm I'm not even saying I forgive it. I think I, I think that argument doesn't bother me as much with this film. Like if they had made 15 films about space slavery, mm-hmm. I would be much more on board. So see, but maybe, maybe I would be a little bit more forgiving of it and, and, and more inclined to think along your line of thinking. If, okay, what they did here was a stronger story because what I honestly think he has here in the brother from another planet is a very cool 15 to 20 minute short film that he extends because you know he's got a $350,000 budget mm-hmm. for this he extends to an hour and a half to do to, to um, so that it, it is a feature but there is not a story. And then the, the story is basically a generic, a generic, um, you know, 
black guy going to try and, you know, shut down the man. Story. Oh, right. You mean the heroin yeah. sideline. You know right. what I mean? He, he might as well be super fly. Here's where I disagree with shaft. you. That it, 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 it could have been 15 minutes. I think one of the really smart things that it does is at the end when you realize that the brother is not the only alien on earth yeah and you realize that you've been seeing aliens throughout the film Mm -hmm. i think what john sales does like when you go back and you look all of those aliens have been peppered throughout the film have been peppered throughout the film but they've been in the background yes and they've been playing roles that in film and in real life many of us just don't see Mm-hmm. They play domestics. They play janitors. They play, you know, doormen. They play homeless people. So that, and, and certainly in a film like this, set in New York in 1984, where it's all gritty and, and junky and stuff, you've seen these actors throughout the film, and like I said, you just don't notice them. Yeah. And then at the end, when they move to the foreground, and you realize that this is basically. There, there's basically been this underground underground railroad. underground railroad i think that you can only do that with time like i don't think you can do that in 15 minutes okay fair so enough. so like you you have to have them and and you see them and i love that like i love that in the film and i love that in real life because i do i i do think that that part of um part of black people's blessing and curse is that invisibility yeah but see but i again i think and when i'm sorry let me just finish the invisibility and when you're poor or when you're when you're in a a quote-unquote menial role you're even more invisible so that when we get to the end and we realize that that you know like like i'm sure when i watched it this time i was looking because i kind of knew the hook but when i watched it as a younger man i was a black person so it's not even just race that makes you invisible. Like it's the class stuff too. And I thought that worked amazingly well. See, uh, I think that I think that that is cool. I think that is a very cool aspect of of this movie. I really do. Um I think that I think that it's there in the subtext. I still think that okay, you take that whole drug subplot out of there. Yes. Okay, and maybe it's not an hour and a half movie. Maybe it's an hour movie. Maybe it's right, 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 right. I mean, I mean, but uh, like, I think I think it's cool. I think I think that is a very cool aspect of it. You're you're right. I, I'm I won't um, begrudge you that. I won't I won't argue that. I think that it could have. I think that it could have landed. A little better, but that could be budgetary things or, or whatever. Right, right, I still right, think it's right. a, a very cool element in the movie, um, but I just I just think that there's too much padding in the film for me to forgive. That being said, there is a a scene which you could probably also pluck whole cloth out of this movie and not really af- you know affect the outcome or or hurt it mm-hmm. at all, but is a very nice little sea story in here mm-hmm. in and of itself and that is the whole idea of the brother getting with the singer <laughs> yes yes um because you know him uh, 
him being awakened, I guess, in a way, to the idea of sex. Yes. And how he goes about exploring this awakening, I thought was very well done, very cute, mm-hmm. the uh, very poignant and touching and funny uh, and sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just that one, it's it's probably a good eight minutes in the movie. Yeah. But it's 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 just a perfect eight minutes right there. Yeah. And that uh, singer played by uh, the, the actual singer, Dee Dee Bridgewater. Yeah. Um, do, doing great work. I knew I recognized the face mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I couldn't bring, come to mind, but she does good work in this movie. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and, th- and there's a nice, and there's an immediate chemistry between them. It, like you said, it's a great scene. And, and uh, also playing else who, who else is in that scene? My man who from rock, Carl yes. Gordon doing great work. Absolutely. And and that like that just whole that that that, that whole little vignette. That whole little vignette is yeah. just that's yeah. so cool. I really enjoy because it. Because you see the history between Carl Gordon's character and Dee Dee Bridgewater's character. Yeah. Immediately. And and it's this whole dynamic there that, that you know I think in like two minutes. In two minutes, and like you said, everybody sort of projects mm-hmm. their own needs onto the brother. Yeah. And then you have it. So so that was that was that was really cool. That that probably was my favorite part of this movie. Right, just that right. one little scene. I thought right. it was just so adorable. No, 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 no. It's 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 a great scene, and and you know I think there's a, you know again I think Joe Morton has such charisma. That's an underrated actor. And man. and so, well, he's another one we talked about it. Or he or is he an actor's actor? I think he's an actor's actor. Yeah. I think he's another one of these actors who doesn't just take any old role mm-hmm. um there's ob- a lot of stage work you know obviously he's another winner of the giancarlo esposito you know 40 year overnight success <laughs> like every- suddenly he was on a scandal and, every- and joe morton's name was on everybody's mouth it's like dog he was a- here's an interesting factoid about joe morton you remember at the end of good times every episode mm-hmm. it would say um what was it what was michael's name i just forgot michael's name it was Michael, Michael Evans. No, no, no. The, the, Ralph Carter. It said Ralph Carter appears courtesy of Raisin. Remember? It would say Ralph Carter appears courtesy oh, of Raisin. Raisin was the musical version of Raisin in the Sun. Oh, okay. Joe Morton plays Walter. Get out of here. So Joe Morton also sings. Well, I didn't know that. Right. I know he does a lot of stage work. Yeah, so, so I knew y'all. I know he's kind of like a, a bit of a huffer. So, know, so those, those, man. these, those are my three Joe Morton roles. He he plays Walter in Raisin, mm-hmm. the the musical version of A Raisin in the Sun. Right. He plays the dude who was dating Whitley in the last couple of seasons of A Different World. That's true. And then she left him at the altar to go with Dwayne. That's true. And yep. then he's the brother from another planet. Those, those, are, those are your three. Those Joe, are my three favorite Joe Morton roles. Are you kidding me? And then I like Scandal. Oh, and then he, uh, again, like I said, Joe Morton in science fiction, black people caught up in white people nonsense. He gets killed in Terminator. Terminator, yeah. Yeah, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Be, because he invented something. <laughs> he's a scientist. We're going to teach you darkies about being scientists. It's like what kind of foolishness? I tell you what, 
Let me leave these folks alone. <laughs> Soon as Carl Weathers went and shook Arnold Schwarzenegger's hand in the first 10 minutes of Predator, I said, Carl, you need to make better friends because this is not <laughs> going to end well. You need to go get Bill Duke and the stereotypical Indian man, and y'all need to leave. <laughs> you crazy. Because they're going to take you out in the jungle. Up oh, there it goes. There you go. Yeah. Should have seen it coming, bro. Yafet Kodo, I don't know what needs to happen. You need to get off this ship. You need to get off this uh, ship. Oh, yeah, you're talking about um, Alien. Although he made it to the end. He made it all the way to the end. Yeah. And then he got killed. That's the makeup because he didn't make it to the end of the running man. <laughs> Yafet Kodo, who should never wear a bodysuit. Uh, yeah, I, I love the man. He's a fantastic actor. There's Ooh. never a reason for that man to have on a one-piece body. I suit. give the running man a pass because Jim Brown plays a dude named Fireball whose specialty is a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But the brother from another planet. See, that's what I mean, though, Lynn. Like, with you, you know, it's like, I love science fiction, and I'm black. So I need a Reese's peanut butter cup of black science fiction and it was tough yeah it was it was tough it for me is. i mean it still is it's not as tough but it's still tough well i understand that see but that's why i can't so, you know the brother this, from another planet it yes. doesn't feel like science fiction to me i know it is science fiction but it feels like science fiction in the way that the most um uh uh Earthbound Twilight Zone episodes feel like that's my favorite fiction. kind of science fiction, though. Well, I, I, I mean, that's now, now now that's just a taste. I mean, okay, I I, I think you're absolutely like yes, but you, I wanted more. Like to me, that's a compliment. Like it feels like a Twilight Zone episode, or dare I say, a Night Gallery episode. It feels like like it feels better than Night Gallery. I'm not going to give it Night Gallery. Okay, but but I th- Maybe I, outer limits. I think you're absolutely right. I think you are absolutely categorically right. But where you see that as a deficit, to me, that's why I like it so much. There's an I- idea for an. For they're always trying to bring back the whole the, the whole idea of anthology shows. Yes, and they've kind of brought them back a little bit to a degree with the return with uh, American Horror Story, right, and with American Crime on on CBS, right. On, excuse me, on ABC. In in the aspect that these are TV series that from season to season are wholly new stories with sometimes many of the same actors. Yes. You know? So that's almost kind of like the whole anthology series type type of thing. There why can't there's a good idea. I think there is room for there to be an afrofuturistic anthology TV series. Did you ever see um Cosmic Slop on HBO? No, this 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 a deep cut right here. So, Cosmic Slop was an anthology. I think I think it was one episode. Really, um, George Clinton played the host character, and all I remember from Cosmic Slop, the um, the law professor Derek Bell mm-hmm. has a story called Space Traders, mm-hmm. which is about aliens that come to Earth. And say they're going to give us uh, water and minerals and everything that we need in exchange for all the black people. 
and they don't say what they're going to do with the black people. Like all they say is we will trade you this for black people. And the whole story is about the legality of basically reinstituting slavery. And that was on cosmic slop so that they basically had an episode on HBO. Are you looking it up? Yeah, Cosmic got, Slop, a thought-provoking trilogy created yes. by Regin- Reginald Hutland. Yeah. I, it was just one, like one episode, wasn't it? Well, it was a trilogy. It, it aired on HBO in 1994. It was hosted by George Clinton. The trilogy borrows its title from George Clinton's um, album from 1973. Um, part one was The Space the Traders. Cosmic Slop. Yeah. Part one was The Space Traders, directed by Reginald Huntland um, and written by Trey Ellis, based on a short story uh, written by Professor Derek That's Bell. Right. It, if 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 you can find that on YouTube, so like everybody, this, these are your yeah, you can. It's on YouTube. These are your assignments, ladies and gentlemen. Read Claire Noto's um script, The Tourist, and then also look up the journey of the tour because the story about the tourist is just as interesting as the script itself. So read the tourist, mm-hmm. Claire Noto. Mm-hmm. Go to YouTube and watch the Space Traders. This is cool. You don't even have to go to YouTube. We'll, I'm gonna put a link on, on out there on okay. Twitter and on our Facebook page um, from the Museum of the Museum of Uncut Funk Uncut Funk dot com. Um, uh, friends of of the Black Tribbles, uh, so, and they have the YouTube uh, the Space Traders right there. What were the other two? Well, let's see. The Space Traders was a conservative black politician must choose between his people's survival and appeasing his white colleagues when space aliens propose to share their profound knowledge in exchange for all the black people on Earth. That's right. What were the other two stories? The other two was uh, the first commandment uh, written and directed by Warrington Hudlin, Reginald's brother. Mm hmm. The Virgin Mary's appearance in an inner city housing project forces a Hispanic priest to face the hidden cultural cultural origins of Western religion. I vaguely remember that. that one. And then what was the third one? Third was Tang, directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan, written by uh, noted comic book writer and artist Kyle Baker. Nice. Based on a short story by 60s thriller writer Chester Himes. On yeah. The, on the dawn of the black revolution, a black couple discovers who the quote unquote real enemy is. Wow. Are there links to those two? Uh, I don't see links to those. I have no real memory of those other two, but space traders blue. And there you go. There you go. And now we have two space slavery stories. One more and I'd have been upset. <laughs> apparently i could do two space slavery stories if there was a third one i'd have been really upset see now that sounds very interesting and that that aired in 1994 i don't know how much publicity that got obviously it it's, probably wasn't much of a it big was hit. on H- it, lynn i think they played it once it was on hbo yeah which one which on hbo doesn't really need to cater so much to the to, to ratings mm-hmm. so um i'm I'm surprised that it didn't at least get more play. Right. Uh, that's something that that's a concept. Uh, a TV series that is that is you know talking about Af- you know black science fiction. That's a concept that I think 
begs repeating hey. and begs sticking with, if nothing else, for at least a whole season. Sure, you know. Sure. And if you don't want to put it, if you if you don't think that it can make it on um uh on, on maybe one of your basic cable channels, it's certainly something I I I. Trust me, there is an audience for this, whether it be through, via Netflix or Amazon or however you, one of your streaming services. Um, I, I'm telling you, there is an audience for that type of fare out there. I know that um, I know that there's a ton of people that, that are out there that that write that are writing this stuff. Rashida Phillips and the whole Metropolarity crew right oh, yeah, here in yeah. Philadelphia. Um, uh, Tanahasi. Um, uh oh oh I just drew uh uh, uh, uh Tanana, Tanana Reeve do yes writes great science fiction mm-hmm. um there's a ton of people the the people down at Rosarian Publishing they they are putting out amazing science fiction my man yeah. Bill Campbell and all of his writers and John Jennings um the, they are putting out this fantastic work um never mind just people you know go, just going into the crates and getting in your Octavia Butler but they are finding an audience so if they're finding an audience that means that there is an audience for this um fair on the small screen as well as the large absolutely and i know that uh Lee Daniels is working on some some things in 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 his production houses um to bring them to the to the big screen i like to think that there are people working on this to bring uh some of that fare to the small screen as well i yeah. hope so yeah i really do yeah and a lot of it starts with the brother from another planet how you like that one slip that in there yeah circle it back <laughs> circle it back so do people need to see this film i think so I'm, i mean again i i think i think it's i think it's a really good movie i think it's a really good movie and 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 you know again we, we've talked before there's a lot of overlap in this room and and i think just talking to people who listen to this show it seems like there's a lot of overlap between people who are interested in black films and then you know it, we you know we we our 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 nerd foo is a little strong in the mission in the mission Michelle. So you know if you like science fiction, I think it's a. I think if you are a fan of science fiction from this moment, it's it's a good example of science fiction early eighties science fiction, and it's a film you may not have seen. Yeah, it may it's a film you may not have seen, and it's certainly it's, from it's, a different perspective. Yeah. But um, it's an interesting curio piece of the age. Yeah. But and you know, again, I think you know, j- just to go back to the tourist, I I think like um, Close Encounters. I think like the Cat People. I think like Blade Runner. I think this is a film that a lot of these films have that DNA in it, so that it works together. Oh, here's something else we didn't talk. And this isn't the tourist. If you like the, um, do you think this is less science fiction than The Man Who Fell to Earth? Like, did you like? Have you seen The Man Who Fell to Earth? Yeah, I, I did see that. How'd you How'd you feel about that? I I think this may. I think they may be about on par, science fiction wise. Yeah, science fiction wise. Yeah. yeah. So if if you like a little dab of science fiction, a yeah. little touch science fiction to inform mm-hmm. a story that kind of um kind of critiques the human condition yeah yeah you know yeah. i think this is a film for those people 
Well, I, I, like I said, I and think- Joe Morton's, and, and I'm sorry, I, I, I think you, we kind of have assumed it, but I think it's worth just saying as a sentence. Joe Morton's performance is great. So if you want to see a great Joe Morton performance, yes, all right, yes, yes, it is. He, he, he is, um, he's very, very good in this film. Like I say, he's definitely uh, channeling his inner Buster Keaton in a lot of the things that he's doing in this film. Uh, it's an interesting slice of the eighties for you to take in. Um, so I'll, I'll say that, you know, uh, go check it out. It's available on Amazon. Yeah. Um, for, for like just a couple of bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, so you can, uh, rent it. You don't need to see it in high def. I think in high def, it would probably lose a little bit of his charm. I was about to say the grittiness is sort of, you need, you need that. You need that, that eighties grit. Yeah. In there to really feel this film. All right, uh, the brother from another planet, from John Sales. Next week on the Bashow Mission, the Black Star Film Festival was in town uh, this past week, and as we mentioned, um, Vince was able to take in friend to the show Dorian Missick's uh, film that uh, screened at the Black Film Festival Nine Rides. The couple of days before that screening, Vince and I actually had an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Missick. We did. Who was in town with his lovely wife, Simone. They were the hosts of the award ceremonies at the Black Star Film Festival. And he took some time to sit down with us and actually, at his request, this was totally his request, record an episode of the Michelle Mission. Very generous with his time. He was very generous with his time. He was very generous with his... um, with his with the stories that he shared with us, he was very generous with the names that he dropped all over the place. <laughs> I mean, the table was littered <laughs> with Black Hollywood. I my my God, there were Eddie Murphys just sliding off the table. Eddie Murphy, Anthony Mackie, this Denzel, my boy, that. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> But we had a, a hell of a time. Yeah, absolutely. Sitting down and absolutely. talking with him as we reviewed Spike Lee's Clockers. Yes. Um, which, which a very interesting film. And it, we all came at it from very interesting perspectives. I, yeah, absolutely. So it made for some very um, insightful uh, conversation. Maybe some might say a little bit contentious at times. <laughs> Uh, but oh, and good contentious, good contentious. It was you, you know, be the judge. It was energetic. It, there's the word. <laughs> it was energetic, energetic conversation between Vince, myself, and Dorian Messick um, as we reviewed Clockers. That will be coming your way next week. We will be presenting that for you uh, here on the Michelle Mission. It was a fun time, and um, I can't speak. Highly enough of Dorian for um, wanting to do that with us and actually taking the time and actually, you know, letting us know that there are there are other people in Hollywood that like our show. That was really cool, man. Hey, hey, all right. And not just his wife. There are actually other people. He's a cool dude. He's a very cool, cool dude. dude. So you, I, I really hope that you will uh, enjoy that episode uh, next week here on the Michelle Mission. All right. 
Okay, feel free. Hit us up with your comments, your concerns, uh, your feedback. You can email us at mission at gmail.com or you can contact us straight through our website michellemission.com where each and every one of our shows are available for your download and streaming pleasure um, you can always please follow us on twitter at mission michelle or like us on facebook at michelle mission on facebook as well um we will be we'll be coming to Radio very soon here in Philadelphia. More news on that as we get more details. We will let you know. But it, that is really exciting for for me and Vince. Um, it means that uh, you know we hear from all of you that you really are appreciating what we're doing, uh, and we really are are enjoying it. Um, and it just means that we'll be able to get it out there to that many more people. Um, so we really appreciate uh, appreciative of that opportunity. Absolutely, of being following our way. And as always, you can always check out the Michelle Mission as part of the Black Tribbles Podcast Network on BlackTribbles dot com. Okay, so this is Len the Bat Tribble. That's Vince, who is a Tribble as well. Yeah, I'm Jack Tribble. Jack Tribble. In parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.